Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We're your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And sadly, we are separate from one another today because, my God, life has not stopped. It hasn't at all. Not Um, even a little bit. But we're here. We are here. We're here. We're doing this. We're uh, literally recording this uh, three days before I need to have it edited and on the web. It's fine. Everything's fine. fine. You can still hear me, right? I just saw a cat step on something on my keyboard. Yes, I can still hear you. You are absolutely fine. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so, drinking. Drinking. Um, it is the evening. I have spearmint tea which i'm pretty sure i had last time we recorded at night but such is life it's delicious and i have it in my little coffee phase mug it's so good i am drinking green tea tonight uh it's ito n brand so Mm -hmm. because i'm i i'm i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but i'm pretentious that's the word. So it's my imported Japanese tea. <sighs> and my mug is from Naughty Dog Bookstore in Nashville, Indiana, which, which is amazing. I still haven't been to. We couldn't so good. find it. We found a used bookstore when we were there. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that uh, we need a girl's trip. <laughs> We do. We need a girls' trip. We'll we'll abandon our husbands and your child and my cats and your pets, and then we will go on a girls' trip. Oh, that'll go well. It'll be fine. That'll go well. Will it? Yeah. Because whew, we are we are currently in an everything is mom mm. phase, turned up to eleven. So I can't help you with that. And I keep getting distracted by my cats. Normally when I am in this room on this computer, they are content to be on their cat tree by the window. And today they are full of mischief because they are cats and they believe they belong on the internet. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. Um, So for tarot cards today, please be so proud of me. I shuffled the deck. (gasps) <gasps> no. And it's not the Wild Unknown Tarot. I'm sorry, who are you? Someone who was trying to have her shit together before her computer decided, you know what? You know that thing that you really need me to do? Because this is your side gig? I'm not going to fucking do it. Yeah, it took, what, ten full minutes? Something ridiculous. It was bad. Anyway, I drew from the Murder of Crows tarot deck. Love that. 
It's so wonderful and macabre, and I never use it. And I drew the Ten of Swords, which I thought was really mean. Yeah. You know, defeat and loss and illness, uh, GTFO. Wow. And I'm like, does this deck go um, for a doubt? Thematically appropriate-ish if you squint with my segment. Cool, cool. Because I think that mostly the deck just decided like, oh, you haven't touched me in three years. I'm going to drag your ass. Which is part of the course for this deck. Anytime I touch it, it's like, oh, did you want to be red for filth? See, that's so weird. Because I have that deck and it is one of my nicest. I, I, that's why I bought the deck because you told me about it. And then I saw it at an occult shop in Nashville, Indiana. So I bought my own copy of it. And anytime, anytime I touch it, it's like a worm. You want to pull? You want to you go? And I'm like, no, I want you to be nice to me. Amanda said you're a nice deck. It is the, oh, what is it? The Tarot of Eden is my very rude, I almost don't want to touch it deck. Yeah. Last time we were in, uh, Nashville, Indiana, I almost bought a botany-based oracle deck that I've had my eye on for a few years. Ooh. And I'm kind of regretting that I didn't buy it, but I also went a little bit crazy um, buying other nerdy shit, so it is what it is. Completely randomly, before we jump into this, that we actually do like need to record quickly. Yeah. Whatevs. Uh, I got my husband and I tickets to the Witches Ball this September. Ooh. It's in New Albany this year. It was at Art Sanctuary here in Louisville last year. But it's black tie. Uh, this year is tarot themed. Ooh. So they're encouraging outfits based on a card from your favorite tarot deck if you can. And there's a lot of like witchy vendors and there's a whole... Um, ritual and various performances throughout the evening i don't know it sounds fun i hope you have a wonderful time so since we know that we have a little bit of a truncated recording period because my computer shot the bed um let's get into it amanda what's our topic our topic uh loosely i think for both of us is things that have been blamed on the fae or whether mistakenly or just, I, I'm not sure what word I'm looking for here. Allegedly, that's not the word. It's close to the word. I don't know. English is my first language. Don't expect me to say it. <laughs> <sighs> okay. And uh, I am going to ruin Corinne's day. Great. Because I have a North American spirit uh by way of france oh this is why you said you were gonna ruin my day okay it is so you know what that means terrible pronunciation you you know you can send me words ahead of time and i promise i won't look up what they mean and i'll just tell you how to say them i could but isn't it more fun this way is it is it really amanda (laughs) also um you will be hopefully delighted to find out that my notes are titled Morphe, this time in French. (laughs) That's beautiful. 
So that's what we've done. Uh, this time, again, I have been very short for time because life doesn't stop. So right now I really only have two different Wikipedia pages. Okay. Um, so I have the Wikipedia page for the Luton. Okay. L-U-T-I-N. I'm assuming okay. I said that correctly. Luton. Oui. And the Nayan Rouge. N-A-I-N. Oh, Nan Rouge. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's like Nan. Like Nan. Like the Indian gotcha. flag. Nan Rouge. Perfect. See, this is more fun. This is content. Yes. It works. Uh, so the Luton is from France. Mm -hmm. uh, it's often compared to a hobgoblin or a house spirit like you would see in English or German folklore. Okay. Uh, they were known to be just obsessed with horses. Okay. And when they made it across the Atlantic via uh, Quebec, mm -hmm. because duh, where else would they be? One of the more famous stories told about them mentions farmers coming out to their stables in the morning and finding out that the horses had all had their manes and tails braided overnight. Oh, okay. I, I'm familiar with this, but not Luton. Yes. Uh, so the Luton are also uh, said to help out Père Noël in Lapland. Bien sûr. Uh, they're, you know, small spirits. Sometimes they are seen as horses themselves. And if you see them that way, they will have a braided mane, a braided tail, and they will be saddled, but riderless. Okay. But are they like full-size horses or are they like teeny little baby horses? Oh, they are full-size horses when they appear as horses. Okay. I really wanted them to be teeny tiny baby horses. Well, see, that wouldn't do great things for trying to trick people into thinking they were horses. But I want it. I'm, I want cute things, Amanda. And I get that, but I'm just going to let you in on a little secret, which is that the fair folk don't give a fuck what we want. Well, that's rude of them. Why, why do we call them fair then? That's not fair. I'm oppressed. I am being oppressed by the fair folk because their name is wrong. Oh my goodness, do I have iron in this house. <laughs> I feel like I need to protect myself somehow. Um, and then to, you know, tie this into North American folklore, since that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, we're going to talk about a version of the Luton that made its way to Detroit. Oh, okay. Via French immigrants. And that is the non rouge. Okay. So the story goes that a fortune teller told Detroit's founder, Oh, you have too many names, sir. Antoine de la Moth Cadillac. Like the car. Yeah, no, I just, I don't know if you could see the little light bulb going off behind my head. Uh huh. Yeah. I, yeah. I know American history. I was a good student. I went to good schools. I don't know it. That's the whole point of this podcast. I like <laughs> to learn things because I don't know shit. 
Um, anyway, the story goes that the fortune teller told our buddy Antoine to appease the non-Rouge. Okay. Uh, did he do this? I'm gonna guess no. You're gonna guess correctly. Uh, instead, when he encountered the non-Rouge, he smacked it with his cane and yelled, quote, get out of my way, you red imp. Well, that's right, rude. Uh, and believe it or not, causing bodily harm to a fairy didn't go well for our buddy Antoine. Who would have thought, given the topic thought? of our podcast episode? <sighs> he uh, started to encounter some incredible bits of bad luck that okay. may or may not have been brought on by himself for reasons other than the smacking of a fake creature. Okay. Um, he was accused of abusing his power in Detroit and reassigned by the French government to Louisiana. Okay. Um, they weren't too happy with his performance there either. And they had him brought back to France to be imprisoned and stripped of his fortune. Well, yeah. Um, he's having a great time. Yeah. So, again, it, every human being in this uh, segment has four names. So, in 1883, Marie Caroline Watson Hamlin's Legends of Le Detroit uh, described the Non Rouge as, quote, very red in the face with a bright glistening eye. Instead of burning, it froze. Instead of possessing depth, emitted a cold gleam like the reflection from a polished surface, bewildering and dazzling all who came within its focus. I don't think I want to meet that. And a grinning mouth displaying sharp pointed teeth completed this strange face. So it kind of sounds like a red cap. And I hate it. A little it. bit. A little bit. Uh, other sources describe the non-rouge as small. Um, the phrase that I saw repeated about was dwarf. Having an old man's face. Okay. Red and or black fur. Okay. And rotten teeth. Oh, poor buddy. No. Get you think the French could have given him some cheese because eating cheese is how we used to deal with dental hygiene before dental hygiene came along. I did not know that. I, that's why I have good teeth. I eat a lot of cheese. Could be wrong about that, but I'm like 99% sure I read that in some weird ass book when I was a kid. Like a one of those, like, those like learn about the Middle Ages. Like horrible histories. But it wasn't that. I don't know. But like it's same kind of flavor? Yes. Maybe that's why we do this podcast, because we read a bunch of horrible histories as kids. Maybe. I don't know. It's the same book that taught me about heraldry and that the Romans used a vinegar-soaked sponge to wipe their butts. Like, that's what I remember from that book. My butt just puckered thinking about that. It was a weird book. It was a weird book that I definitely didn't need to read at, like, seven, but I read it. Mm -hmm. It's fine. We turned out fine. 
All right, we're good. <laughs> so the Legends of Le Detroit is the first known telling of our buddy Antoine's encounter and bad luck. And it was written a full 180 plus years after the alleged curse. Okay. Um, now that uh, little discrepancy hasn't stopped people throughout history claiming that they saw or they heard about sightings happening before misfortunes. Basically, he is a, a non-rouge sighting is the harbinger for some disaster befalling Detroit. Okay. Uh, for example, the creature is said to have appeared on July 30th, 1763, before the Battle of Bloody Run, where 58 British soldiers were killed by Native Americans from Chief Pontiac's Ottawa tribe. Um, according to these stories, the Non Rouge danced among the corpses on the banks of the Detroit River after the battle. Okay. And the river turned red with blood for days afterwards. Well, that's nice and macabre. Isn't it? That's nice and macabre, the Amanda Bronson story. <laughs> it's fine. So, according to the tale, uh, all the misfortunes of Governor and General William Hull leading to the surrender of Detroit in the War of 1812, blamed on the non Rouge showing up. All right, cool. And then, for something a bit more modern, two utility workers claimed to have seen the creature just before the 1967 Detroit riots. Oh. And supposedly it was also seen before an ice storm in 1976. Huh. Okay. Um, so believe it or not, this has become a big part of the city culture because Make, makes sense. Humans get a human. So every spring there's a community parade the Marche du Non Rouge, in which the imp is ceremonially—I uh, can talk—in which the imp is ceremonially chased out of the city. The parade oh, ends with the imp being burned in effigy to keep it out of the city for another year. That's so mean. <laughs> well, you would get along with a group of pro non rouge protesters who have started showing up uh, since about 2012. And it's just, you know, lighthearted. They show up with signs, you know, saying, be nice to the non rouge. And, you know, basically like, hey, we don't, we don't chase people out of Detroit. Yeah. And uh, again, I know that's a little bit of a shorter segment, but I thought that story was really fun. No, that's awesome. I love that. That's super <laughs> cool. Um, so I got kind of the easier end of this deal because I have the entire rest of the world to play with. And <laughs> Western Europe was right there for the taking. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, gotta love the Fae. They will wreck your shit if you are not kind enough. Love My it. life is about to be a disaster for like the next <laughs> forever because I'm such a shithead. <laughs> um, but a lot of European folklore, especially Western European folklore, is full of ways to avoid the ire of the Fae. Mm -hmm. Because that's just 
you don't know what causes these things. It's a supernatural creature. We're just going to blame them, and this is how we're going to avoid it. Right. Uh, so, for example, when we did that trees episode, uh, you know, certain trees are supposed to guard against the supernatural. Like, the hawthorns are for protection. Uh, you make a churn from ash trees to keep your butter from being ruined via witchcraft, etc. Side note, I forgot to look up what tree it was that you make the um, the churns from until, like, while you were talking. And I realized that my notes just said, look up tree name OMFG. <laughs> we are super put together. So, anyway. Uh, what I thought I might do in lieu of, like, really digging into any... Well, I kind of dug into one thing, anyway, because I'm me. Um... I just kind of started looking at some of the more interesting things that had been blamed on the fair folk uh, in Western European tradition, especially ones that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. Okay. The list. Um, so unexplained paralysis in livestock is considered fairy riding. The fae have ridden your livestock and now they can't move. Um, I mean, yeah. Fair. Makes sense. Tuberculosis was once believed to be caused by the fair folk. What hasn't been responsible for tuberculosis? Right? So the theory was uh, young people would be weakened because they would be enchanted off by the fae and dancing in the revels all night. And then they're coming home and they're tired and sickly. And they've got the consumption, which we now know is a bacteria, not cavorting with the fair folk. Yeah, I feel like, you know, again, it makes sense. I feel like the vampirism accusations make a little more sense. I agree with you. I, that one, like, when I saw that, just, I was on Wikipedia, mm -hmm. kind of doing some scrolling, and I was like, I beg your pardon? Um, and then Ireland, especially, you have, like, the fairy forts, that you're not supposed to mess with. They'll just be, you'll be in a field and you'll see a circular area. Nothing's mowed. Nothing's touched. People walk around it. You don't walk through it. Uh, if you disturb one, you are bound to die young. Uh, what's really cool, though, is that a lot of those are probably remnants of settlements from circa the Stone Age to early medieval times. Interesting. So, um... Because of this cultural taboo, and also because of the work that archaeologists do with folklorists in Ireland, they're incredibly well-preserved sites, which is super cool. Fun! I loved that. Um, similarly, there are fairy thorns, which are thorn trees, which I now know are hawthorns. Yes! I learned a thing. <laughs> that just, if you, there's a hawthorn growing in the middle of the field, you're not supposed to mess with it. It's bad luck. Um... So, like, RTE Ireland and BBC had a couple of articles about these fairy thorns and how you're supposed to just leave them be. Uh, for example, there is a golf course in Ulster that has a fairy thorn that has been there since it opened in the late 1800s. And if your golf ball hits it, you have to apologize or you will have terrible games. I mean, I feel like you should just apologize to trees in general if you hit them with a golf ball. Probably. And maybe apologize to Earth for playing golf in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are also supposed to greet 
the tree as you pass. It is a symbol of the golf course. Love that. Uh, and reportedly, this was, I think this one was in the BBC article that I read. Reportedly, when Belfast built its ill-fated DeLorean factory in the early 1980s, they tore down a fairy thorn at the location. No. The factory closed 18 months after it opened. Coincidence? Or fame Alice? We don't know. And um, then the last thing that really caught my eye and I dug a little bit more deeply into was uh, Elfshot. Okay. And this is where I thought you might be going because I did see an article about Elfshot lore in the Alleghenies. I didn't come across that at all, but now I know what I am doing after we stop yeah. recording. I will, I'll find the article again and I'll send it to you because I didn't download it because I was like in hardcore. I have to focus on my stuff. Oh, I hit my mic. Have to focus on my stuff. Uh, so in practical terms, what is frequently referred to as elf shot are actually like arrowheads and flints that date all the way back to the Neolithic and Bronze Ages. Um, so that's really cool. They're from, it's not even proto-Indo-European. It's like pre-Indo-European cultures that were living in Europe at the time. Interesting. So, you know, you find these on the ground just because that's what happens to arrowheads when they fall off. Um, the arrowheads were believed to have been hurled by the Fae, most often at cattle and horses, but sometimes other livestock or at people. Uh, and they would feel suddenly very ill and in quite a lot of pain. Uh, in modern parlance, you might have been blaming arthritis on oh, elf okay. shot or severe cramping on being elf shot. Uh, personally, next time Migraines. I migraine, I am going to say that I've been elf shot in the head. That's my excuse for now and forever. You know what? It makes as much sense as anything else because until science can tell us exactly why we have migraines. Yeah. I think it makes just as much sense as the electrified jello in my skull has decided fuck everything. So, Thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, so in a 1926 essay, Magical Practices Against Elves, a guy named Wilfred Bonzer, and I need you to know that I misread his name as Willie Boner multiple <laughs> times. Uh, anyway, he talks about early writings around Elfshot and posits that this particular belief was actually brought over into England and Ireland via the Anglo-Saxons. What didn't they do? So much. So Elfshot was reportedly, and I will explain what I mean by the whole reportedly in a, in a little bit, written about rather extensively in medieval medical texts, such as the Leech Book from 900, uh, eight, not AD, we don't say that anymore. CE, that's it, 900 CE. CE. It took me a second, I was like, we don't? But yeah, yes, we don't. No, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway, so this book was written for King Alfred of England, again, circa 900. And if I remember correctly, this is the same text that actually has a cure for styes on your eye that is remarkably effective as proven by contemporary science. Oh, now I need to know what that is. I had a sty a couple months ago and that shit 
hurts. I think there was a copper compound involved. And I think some acids. But yeah, I don't remember. I'll see if I can find the article for you. But like modern science was like, actually, no, this is legit. Because if you tell your doctor, they say, I don't know. Hot compress. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it'll go away. Yeah. So anyway, um, some of the cruels, some of the cruel, some of the cures for elf shot that were described in the leech book were, for me as a contemporary person living in the 21st century, remarkably cruel. Uh, one remedy that Bonzer describes include, includes silently piercing the left ear of the afflicted animal with a knife and striking it on the back with a staff. No. This is after you have carved a cross into its forehead and to any other limbs that you can reach. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Uh, another article I read was talking about that. They're like, well, I mean, technically you can reach all four limbs, but if you've just carved a uh, cross into something's head, I can see where reaching its limbs would be challenging. And I'm glad that they've accounted for this. <sighs> um, but there are actually, if you, well, brain just totally stopped here. Uh, in a collection of folk remedies for Elfshot that has been curated by researchers at uh, ie, which is a, an Irish site, they've got their school's collection. They have actually gone into the community and gotten folk remedies for Elfshot and for other things. They've just collected contemporary folklore through, I, I don't remember when, I'm really great at reading and remembering things and taking notes on what I read. Reading comprehension is not a job requirement, except that it is for everything. Yep. I'm a marketer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, a common ingredient to other elf shot recipes that I found were something called elf stones. And these are small, round, white stones, uh, no larger than a matchbook in size and frequently much smaller. And you take nine of them and you plop them into holy water along with a few other ingredients which differed from person to person in the reports that I particularly looked at. Hmm. Um, and that is said to help cure elf shot in your cattle. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that it was always nine elf stones in these accountings. Uh, but I didn't see any specific reasons for that number. But I also know that I was only scratching the surface. Now I'm curious. And again, this is completely showing my own ignorance. If there's, I feel like nine. I know it's another has, numerologically important number, but. Well, I vaguely, you know, years of Catholic oh, education. Shit, I vaguely Amanda. remember. It's the Trinity of Trinities. Yeah. It's the three times three. Yeah. But um, psh, I'm so smart. Anyway, that's probably what it is. There yeah. might be other reasons, but we're going to go with that one because I didn't do any other research about it. And we're folklore junk food. Yep. <laughs> Their tagline now. Uh, anyway, so I love it. remember what I said about Elfshot and those medieval medical texts? Uh -huh. So in 2005, a scholar named Alaric Hall had some bones to pick with those translations that were being used in the leech book and other similar texts. 
a lot of the research that has been done up into the early 20th century all seems to be based around a specific 1860s translation. Um, so Hall goes into a lot of very nitty gritty detail on both the original Old English, and I, I'm calling it Old English. It does predate the Norman invasion of 1066, so it can't be Middle English. So but yeah, it, I think it's Old English. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything in between those two. Um, according to AP English, there wasn't, but we all know how um, our understanding of the world changes post high school classes. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, like I'm, I'm falling back on like college, Doctor Gatton's Brit Lit one. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. We went from Beowulf to Chaucer. So, like, <laughs> I know there's some stuff we missed in the middle. Uh, anyway, he, Hall goes into a lot of, like, very nitty-gritty detail on both that Old English and how those various scholars have translated and possibly mistranslated that remedy. And his argument is that, well, yes, elves are mentioned at the very end of the remedy. The remedy itself is not for something called elf shot. It's actually for animals in extreme pain, possibly from having eaten too much and disturbed their digestive system. So almost like a colic. Oh. Because horses are remarkably fragile creatures. They really are. For something that massive, a lot can go wrong that it's, you can't fix. Because they're walking around on one toenail. Look, they're doing their best. That's that's a toe, and they're just walking on the toenail, and it fucks everything up. Along with all the other systems. I mean, their legs are as bad as our backs. Yeah, and our backs uh, shouldn't. We shouldn't be no. upright. Uh, anyway, in Hall's own translation, he does note that the mention of elves at the very end suggests that the original writer was indicating like we don't actually know why the horse is in extreme pain elves might have did it so like you should really take care and follow these steps because like who knows and uh that's my section huh. so i managed to do linguistics and fair folk all in one fell swoop and we are all in all of your ability to do so. I didn't do this on purpose. I just want you to know. I literally pulled up his article because I was like, oh, cool. It's another article that I've seen cited a couple times in like the Alfshot Wikipedia page. I'll read it. And then I'm like, hold on, hold on. This man's talking linguistics and there's a lot of old English on this page. And I don't know what that letter is because we don't use it anymore. <laughs> It looks very aesthetic, though. Oh, my goodness, Corinne. Can't stop, won't stop. Good. That's my segment. I'm sorry. You're good, but I... You heard mine. Oh, man. Although I am finally going back to some creepiness. I feel, I feel more me. Yeah, yeah. I... I feel like I managed to come back to my 
sociological let's blame let's ex explain why we're blaming these things on the supernatural and i got deep into my roots with the linguistics yeah, just waiting for you to break my heart again i i'll try harder next time please do people can't see me flashing a peace sign at you no they can't i can though that's good all right well i don't have anything else to add um Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares. Good night. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Sean and McGuire. Copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at Graveyard Coffee Talk Pod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard. Boyfriend's